another great day at the Mentors for Military podcast, and I'm Robert, and I'm joined by my sidekick, Paul Martinez. Hey, everybody. So we're going to um, go down something that I think is, for me, is like really personal because when I think about being an NCO, it's about finding ways in which to lift those around me and kind of, you know, help mentor and coach them. And in the case of our guest today, you know, you put a post up, Luke, that really kind of resonated with me and is one of the reasons why I really wanted you to come on the show. Among other reasons, I've been kind of a fangirl from um, outside and stuff, paying, you know, attention to the work that you're doing on Instagram anyway. And uh, so anyway, welcome to the uh, the podcast, Luke. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. So I want to get into this thing, but uh, before I do, I want to go into your humble beginnings because before you came into the Army, you went to the 18 X-ray program, right? Right. Yeah. So before you did that, where did you call home? What was the, the place that kind of grounded right, so you? So a little background. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. And uh, my grandparents adopted me when I was 13 years old, went out there and lived with them my high school years started acting out as a teenager you know <laughs> like we do and yeah. uh, I got arrested like a week after I turned 18 it was little got expunged yeah but my grandparents just based off of all the other build-up they left me like a voicemail saying I had to get out of the house so it was like a big big change so I had to go live with my uh, parents that I hadn't seen in like five years oh wow and they were still doing the same things they were doing before. That was the whole reason why I had to go live with my grandparents in the first right. place. So I tried making it work, just working with my dad, laying tile for a little while. And then I was laying on the couch one day and saw a Marine commercial. And I was, I don't know, some dude like climbing a mountain and like fighting a dragon or some shit like that. You know? <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was remember like, that I was commercial. like, you know what? I want to do that. <laughs> I want to fight dragons. <laughs> yeah. So I um, went to a Marine recruiter and then. I told him I wanted to recon, took the ASVAB, and I guess I scored pretty good on that. I can't even remember what I scored, but he was super excited. He said, well, you can do pretty much anything you want to do. We're going to put you in aviation mechanics or something like that. And I was yeah. like, no, you're not. So <laughs> went home, thought about it, um, and I had a buddy who always talked about the Rangers, and I loved, like, Saving Private Ryan and Black Hawk Down and all those movies, you know. Yeah. So I didn't even know about Special Forces. Yeah. And... I went up to the Army recruiter, told him, you know, I want a Ranger contract. And he was like, oh, well, we don't have any Ranger contracts, but we have an 18 X-ray contract. And I was like, well, what's that? He's like, you want to be Special Force? Oh, he said, you want to jump out of airplanes and kill people? And I was like, you know, fuck yeah. You know? <laughs> and he was like, you want to be Special Forces? I was like, that sounds cool. Yeah, let's yeah. try it. So I did a little PT test, was eligible to come in, did that. I didn't even know what a Green Beret was until so I was, like, halfway through the Q course. No and, way. So yeah. I mean, I knew, awesome. but it was just like, I was just like, you want me to do this? Okay, I'll run this fast. I'll go this far. You know, just checking the block as I went. And I didn't really understand what a Green Beret was, obviously, yeah. until I, I was 20 years old, you know. Yeah, I'm definitely going to show my age. I can remember, now, of course, this movie was made well ahead of me at Fort Benning, but um, John Wayne and Green Berets. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a movie. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've that was, it. yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, of course, a lot of people don't know it was filmed at Benning, you know, but you can kind of tell if you've ever been at Benning, then you can watch that movie yeah. and you'll be like, oh, God, okay, yeah, I know right when that's at and, and all that. But, yeah. Over there. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, that that's uh, crazy. So you didn't get, like, one of those where they, they show you the video and everything as well before yeah, you I mean, I've watched, like, Rambo and... Those movies, Rambo. Like, yeah, and like uh, <laughs> they showed us Green Beret, like yeah, somewhere yeah. in the Q course. It was like you had to watch it. You know? Yeah, yeah. But um, and it, honestly, just some of the mentors I had, and they would sit down and talk to us, you know, about you know how it was really more. Of, it's not this like kicking indoors job that everybody thinks it is. Yeah. You know? Especially like what we were doing in Afghanistan, you got trained dudes, and then you go fight with those dudes. And then the more mature I got in seventh group, was just the more it was impressive to me that like what we could do. As mm -hmm. far as force multipliers go, you know, mm. yeah, that's the biggest thing I think that I get, at least from individuals who may be following those within the SF community, is that they they kind of see them as more of the knuckle dragging, door kicking individuals. Not and it's not that that's not part of the mission. That's what little, sells, you know. I'm that's what, a little attacked. We got to get our numbers up, you know. So that's what people want to see, and yeah. they want to see the halo jumps and all that. But in reality, you're probably not going to do a combat mission halo jump. Which yeah. Is real. Yeah. It well and I mean it's important to get that message out there right. as well, especially Yeah, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. No, 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 but, but Halo school is awesome, so I definitely want to go do that. Yeah, but in the you know, in my early career when I was thinking of going into SF, it wasn't um 
it was more because of the force multiplier and side of it that really excited me. And, and I'm kind of even today a jack of all trades and a master of none type of thing. Right. But, you know, <laughs> and if you talk to most SF, you know, it's that's, you know, what they are. They're individuals who know a lot. They're really good at the basics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what that's what's talked about and everything. Yet that's not always what people see out there. And, you know, for me, it's part of like being an NCO or part of being a leader is to give back and constantly train and make people more proficient at what they want to do and what they're capable of doing and help them see that. And I think that, you know, your journey of what you were doing, I don't want to get too far ahead, but so you, you, let's go back a little bit then. So you, you, you end up going into 18 x-ray and you end up going to OSIT at, um, Fort Benning. Mm-hmm. And, um, at that time frame in the 18 x-ray program, you're, you're kind of thrown in with Levin's. Yeah. So in my company, it was 86 x-rays. The rest were mostly RASP. Okay. Um, Contracts, yeah, and, and then infantry, yeah. and then some poor unfortunate souls that were like 88 mics and shit that were in there. <laughs> Intel kid, I remember he was in my platoon, he had a rough time, but uh, it was mostly x rays and RAF students. Okay, so I remember in the very early stages, you know, of 18 x ray, they didn't always like, I think they they end up putting them a lot more with 11 series and stuff. It's interesting that they're kind of lumping it all over and they're putting them more together too. So you're going through training with a lot. Lot of guys who are under similar contract, right, right. Yeah. Yes. How was the your experience and stuff with the drill sergeants at that time frame, and how they reacted to eighteen series? Um, well, and rightfully so. They mostly just looked at it as okay. You're going to be you're going to be a new infantryman. You know, as soon as you yeah. fail that, you know, you fail your contract, you're going to go to eighty second airborne or something like that. So you're going to be a good infantryman. That's what they kind of treated it as. But, like, the one that was so influential to me, he took a vested interest in me. I guess he saw something that he liked, and I really respected him a lot. So he was a great mentor for me. And he, a few of the drill sergeants actually did, like, took an interest in me and would kind of, like, motivate me and always call me SF and stuff like that, I told you. Yeah, yeah. So, but still they'd make jokes, like, you know, better keep your head, you know, down and drive on because it's going to be hard. Yeah, because you lose a lot. Of, most of the kids in basic, they drop their contracts just because basic's too hard, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Started they were it. playing Call of Duty too much, you know. And they're like, <laughs> "Okay, this is how it's gonna be." No, it's not. Yeah. So when you were going through that initial phase and everything, and you were, you know, really bonding or, or getting into the the whole mode of basic training, your, your drill sergeants were finding something in you. But were you recognizing that they were really getting into a position of being like a coach and mentor to you at that time frame? Did you recognize that, or was it just more of? It wasn't why? until like uh, it's a little hard for me to remember so long ago. But towards yeah. the back end is when you know because at first as a drill sergeant you got to be hard and yeah break the kids down. So it's like there's no favoritism. Or or anything like that so they didn't really show me any love if you will until it was like kind of like on obstacle courses or something like that where they'd be like rooting for me and shit like that mm-hmm. so, and I, I it was the first time I've had that so it was like I don't know I guess in football I had that too growing up but it just reminded me of that if anything and I liked that feeling so I just wanted to perform well because they were taking a more interest in me I guess yeah it's like I want to impress that guy you know because I respect him we're going to, and we're going to talk about how that came full circle. So mm-hmm. you, you end up leaving there and on the typical path, I'm assuming you go to airborne, you go to, um, pre SFAS and then you go off the SFS and Q. Exactly. What was the MOS that you ended up getting uh, out of Q? So 18 echo. And, um, <laughs> so when you pass selection, I can't remember if it's before, I think it's after, but you write down your top three locations you want to go to top three jobs you want to have. And, um, I put echo, 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 and seventh group, seventh group, seventh group on all three. On, Did like, you really? Yeah. And uh, language also Spanish, but they didn't give me Spanish. They gave me posture. But, um, yeah, 18 echo. So the reason why I chose 18 echo... I did construction growing up, and that's kind of like what I heard the Charlie job was, like the engineer, which is, sadly, it's more of like a logistical job, so you're going to be handling a lot of hand receipts. But um, the Delta's the medic, you know, and I heard that was a whole extra year, and then my lazy ass was like, no, nah, I don't want to do all that. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up shooting guns with my, my uncle taught me how to hunt and everything. Yeah. So I was like, well, I can learn about guns, and I already like guns and know a little bit about them, so... 
and that was the Bravo job. So mm-hmm. one thing I don't know about is electronics. Like I never yeah. even owned a computer until I was like a teenager, and I never got on the motherfucking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was always outside, but so I was like, well, I guess I can learn this, and if I ever want to get out, it'll be a good job skill to have too, and I can make some money on the outside. Yeah, and I also heard that. As 18 Echo, you're always going to be on a mission. Like, sometimes you got to leave dudes back in the ops and guard, you know. And as an Echo, communications, you always have to have that. So it's like, all right, bet. I'll, I'll be on every mission. All right, I'll do that one. What was it about 7th? Uh, the location, honestly. Yeah. The beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't beat, uh, yeah, the Gulf there and beautiful waters, white sand, the whole bit. Yeah. I grew up from the, around that area, by the way, um, just outside of Pensacola. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's home. And, you know, and growing up in that area, honestly, I took advantage of it, or I, I, I should say that I didn't take advantage of it as much as I should have because I didn't recognize how cool the beach is until I became much older because I wanted the hell out of there. You know, to me, that was like, right. that place is still somewhat, and I have family there, and so I mean this in all good intention, but it's stuck in like 1975 in some places. Mm-hmm. And so it... I needed to get out of there and get away from it. And it's so interesting hearing people who are fighting to get in and they love it. Right. And you I always have, want what's different from what it, you grew exactly. up. Exactly. You want to experience something new. So. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with the area. The the I mean, like I said, you know, beautiful beaches and the right. whole bit. So when you end Not up going, <laughs> yeah, when you end up going to Seventh, I mean, I would think you know there are certain places that you kind of want to be in the different groups and stuff, but. You couldn't really go wrong by going to 7th. In the- yeah, like I said, I didn't even know what Green Beret was so halfway through the Q course, so I definitely didn't know, like, which group I wanted to go to. I was just like, well, I definitely want to live by the beach because yeah. Columbia sounds cool. So, And 7th group was really active over in Afghanistan at that time. They had a lot of combat rotations back-to-back, and I heard that also. So that's why me as a posture speaker, that's why I even went down there in the first place. Because yeah. most, mostly it's Spanish speakers. So So what year was this? That was in ooh, two thousand twelve. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they were pretty heavy at Summer that time. Summer two thousand twelve. Two thousand ten was like a really bad year for seventh group. We lost a lot of dudes in that one. And you know, ones and twosies every single deployment since then, pretty much. So um when you get down there to seventh group, was it everything that you thought it was? Uh, it was more. Like I I remember you know, I never lived on my own either, so and it was just like one dude I graduated the Q course with. I knew him throughout the Q course. We weren't really best friends or anything, but neither one of us knew what the fuck we were doing. So I was like, hey, you want to room together so we can save some money? And we got this apartment, little apartment, and I was telling her, I was like, I just remember waking up every morning like, fuck yeah, let's go to work. Let's do this. You know, it wasn't dreading the alarm clock going off because you go to the train and everything was so interesting to me. And uh, hanging out with guys that I respected and, you know, just looked up to. And they were all training me. And, you know, it was just a good time, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I remember the first weekend I went out in at seventh group. There's a bar down there called AJ's that anybody down there knows it. And uh, it's like a rooftop bar and you can see out over the water. And I was talking to my best friend. I was drunk as shit, you know, and I just had this moment of clarity. And I was looking out. Thinking about, like, holy shit, like, I, I did it. And, you know, I'm down here looking out over the ocean, pretty girls around me. And I was like, bro, <laughs> I was like, we're stationed here. Can you believe that shit? Yeah. It was just a really good feeling, really good feeling. How was it that, you know, was it at that moment that you, you realized that, all right, the kind of the training's over and not only that, but now I've gone into the career field that I, I wanted to go into? Is That, what, that was that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I want to say it was, I went to Halo school almost immediately. I got really oh, lucky. Oh, did you? Wow. So <laughs> I um, got really lucky. There's two Echoes that went to my company, and it's either go to the Halo team or the B team. And um, luckily, I got chosen, went to the Halo team, and sent me to Halo school. And it's probably the, the last jump. is a night jump, full wall locker, so you got everything on. And... Inside, like, the C-130, C-130 and ramps closed. Everybody's got these, like, chem lights on them and glowing. You got the O2 mask on. And I remember in uh, out at Camp McCall, the ch- chow hall out there had, a um, like, all these little S- pictures of SF activities, I guess, up around the top of the ceiling. And one dude was a halo jumper. And I just remember always sitting there eating and thinking, like, man, I want to fucking be that dude. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, last jump. Night jump, full wall locker, and the ramp just starts to open, and it's a night jump, and 
And I just was looking around, and it was probably the best feeling I've ever had in my life. It was awesome. I was like, fuck yeah, like, here we are. And jumped out, and I remember I was just screaming the whole time, like, woo, like, <laughs> inside my mask. Because yeah. you're falling in the darkness, too, so it was really cool. That was, uh, that was probably the best moment of my life right there. Yeah. How many times did you get a chance to really uh, jump after that? I think I got, like, 159, something Oh, my like that gosh, right really? Okay. Because once a year you'll do a, what they call a level one train-up on a Halo team, and you go out to Eloy, Arizona, and you'll jump for three weeks, and you get, like, 30, 40 jumps, something like that. Wow. Just in that one time frame. You'll do, like, three a day. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which is fun, don't get me wrong, but you get tired of packing that parachute. <laughs> you wish you could be like, hey, uh, uh, hire somebody to come do it. Yeah. Or get a rigger to do it for you. Now, did you get an opportunity to go or even look at, like, um, I think they also have, didn't they have also dive down seven yep. in, as well as it's dog? Dive um, schools in uh, Key West, but mm -hmm. every, every ODA has got dive teams. Yeah. One per company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Never, never decided to go that route? Um, <laughs> so, uh, my buddies always make fun of me. I'm pretty dense, you know, I, uh, I, I sink like a rock when I'm in the swimming pool. I start <laughs> trying to swim, run out of oxygen real quick, but it's always been like, she swims, so hopefully, uh, she can teach me a little bit about that and I can pursue that. Cause it's interesting. I like to have that dive bubble too. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, when, when you were talking about that and then you wanted to go near the beach, my, mm -hmm. I automatically went to, okay, you know, you a Scooby guy, you know, you want to go down there you want to blow bubbles and you know, the whole <laughs> yeah. thing. And then, yeah, then you tell me you go the halo route and I'm thinking, okay, well, okay. Anything to get an adrenaline rush. That skydive was a really good yeah. adrenaline rush. So yeah, definitely. Um, but diving, man, Dive teams are generally the, I mean, they're in great shape. All the dudes usually are in great shape. And they're usually really squared away teams, to be honest. And they get best missions in Afghanistan. Like, mm. In my first combat rotation, the, the dive team was having so much trouble because they were so active and getting shot up. Uh, they needed a whole, the optimum was so high, they needed another ODA there. So I got lucky and my ODA went there and got the commando mission. And that was the. I love that shit. You know, yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah, still, he still didn't give you the itch to where. All right, let me go ahead and get into the pool and start getting some some bubble time, huh? It's just, I I went swimming. Trust me, at the ocean on the weekends, I saw how bad I was at swimming. I was like, <laughs> it's gonna be a hard route to go down, and I didn't want to seem like a you know. I've, kind of loyal to the Halo side, you know. Those are my boys over there. Yeah, I didn't want to seem like someone who was just like chasing badges yeah 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 i respect the hell out of the dive guys though for real there, there's sort of a line to walk to like you could it's good to take opportunities but like if you're a little too eager to like you said chase a bunch of badges or stuff like that like it's not always beneficial i mean if you want to go to dive school i've never heard of anyone really being turned down from dive school because it, you know they're always wanting mm -hmm. people in that school but it's not an easy school to pass though yeah, from what I hear, it's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just got to be okay with drowning, but yeah, I mean, you're going to be all right. They bring them back all the time. You know That's my, that would be my mindset on it. Uh, so um, how long did you end up staying within seventh group before you got your current assignment? Mm, let's see. So I was telling him I got down in 2012, in the summer of 2012, and uh, got my assignment the summer of 2020. So eight Okay, years. eight years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the whole time at seventh. Mm -hmm. yep. You never wanted to go to fifth group, though, which would have been closer to home. Never got nah, the itch. See, that's too close to home. I, like, yeah. I wanted something different. But now I would go home on leave, like, the last couple of years and see the country. And I'm like, man, I kind of miss this shit. You yeah. know? It's kind of funny how you want to go back to where it, it all started. But I don't think I would ever live in Memphis again. So yeah. Try elsewhere. Yeah. Try some mountains, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's kind of me, too. I, I go back home or I go back to see family or whatever. I go there on vacation. It's funny. I go there now on vacation, mm -hmm. um, yet I didn't really have any desire to live there. So I totally can relate to what you're talking about, you know, and not wanting to do it. But it's fun to go back. It's fun to right, right. yeah to kind of see the, the landscape and everything. Did... Um, did, was it your assignment as a DS? Was it something that you put in for? Because they said, "Hey, listen, you need to leave the group." Well, I've been dodging the Swick list for the longest. I, I was going to say, <laughs> usually that's yeah. yeah. The so, Swick uh, monster usually it, comes it, around. And, I knew it was coming, and um, 
it was either going to be a free-for-all instructor out there or a drill sergeant. And, you know, in the drill academy, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't like, man, what the fuck did you do? Why did you choose this? <laughs> you know? But uh, it's just, it was. I knew it was going to be something so different from what I'm used to. And I'm bad about that. Like, I need change. In my, I need like to experience new things. And, and I just felt stagnant, kind of, as a Green Beret at 7th group. I was just yeah. doing the same job over again. And the last combat rotation wasn't anything like I expected, you know, what I got spoiled with initially. And um, so I was like, well, it's time for me to do something different, to reignite, like, my motivation and everything. So uh, training soldiers something I've never done. And then going into the regular Army, geez, that's, that's a huge, <laughs> huge transition, let me tell you. Well, because of the fact you didn't go, like, back in the day, you had to spend two years conventional Army before right, you could before go in. Go SF, yeah. yeah, and so you having never been and gone in an extra, eating x-ray program, you're like a little bit of a fish out of water, but you're not even still real conventional because you're conventional but yet in, an, in a trade doc situation. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> so it's even yeah. different, yeah. you know. You're right about that. yeah. But, um, yeah, I'd say as an X-ray, you're definitely at a disadvantage when you get to group because you just don't know shit. Like, like I remember the first time I drove a Humvee. We, we were doing a demo range, and they were, I don't know, for some reason I had to go back and get a Humvee and drive it up. And I, it, I must have spent, like, 10 minutes trying to figure out how to turn that motherfucker on. <laughs> I knew there wasn't a key because I heard them talk shit about it. But <laughs> there was uh, a key. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's see if I can do this. But, uh, yeah, I just didn't know anything. Well, this had to be extremely hard for you to go into drill starting school, and you're used to having your hands in your pockets, too. Oh, so. man. <laughs> Everything. Hair, pockets. <laughs> I've walked past like three captains and totally forgot to salute them just because you don't do it at seventh group is a no salute zone. Yeah. And not out of disrespect, <laughs> it's just I'm not used to it, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. No, but, I, uh, I can totally see that. That's got to be a huge culture mm -hmm. shock. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And people are a lot more sensitive in the regular and <laughs> trade-off situation. Like, it's like I'm not used to talking. I have to watch what I say a lot yeah. more. Now, how many guys do you normally see going this path, though? Not many. It's, I, I didn't the, think the number, so. the request for a drill sergeant, or let's see, the demand isn't that high for SF. It's like you might get one per battalion, probably each mm -hmm. SWIC list. Yeah. I, and now I have and seen some on the recruiting yeah. duty side, you know, yeah, that yeah. end up going that route, not yeah. because they didn't get requested. Sometimes they they get kind of forced into that. But Yeah, I mean, a lot, some dudes take that as like a break also, like especially when our off tempo is really high, they need just a break, so yeah. give their families a break, everything. They could be recruiters. And there's some cool recruiting jobs out there uh, in Hawaii, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't be a bad place to go. But for me, I felt like I would get way too lax as a recruiter and just out of my like, I kind of like the part about drill sergeant. I'm waking up early as shit, doing PT every day. It's like back, it forces you to do stuff, you know, but it's like, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. When when you started going through, you said you when you started going through drill instructor school and everything, that you, like, what the hell have I done? Um, what was it about that? Was it just because now you're back to oh, kind of the basic basics? <laughs> no, or? I'm probably going to piss some people off. But <laughs> it was honestly the... Uh, the mentality of the people that were around me is like, I gotta be, just everyone was out of shape. And it, like, I hadn't worked out much at all throughout COVID. And it was just way, they just, everybody was like breaking on doing. I remember this one infantry guy and he was doing pull ups. Uh, man. And he did like, and he was always running his mouth. He's one of those dudes that just like bitched about everything and he knew everything because he was an infantryman, I guess. But, um, <laughs> He threw his back out or some shit doing some pull-ups. And the, the instructor was just sitting there like, are you okay? Like looking at him and just like rolling his eyes. And this dude is moaning like a little girl on the ground. And um, I was like talking mad shit about him because I was like, this is bullshit. I was like, this dude runs his mouth all the time and he can't do a fucking pull-up. And then it was a cook, was an older cook, and he was like... Oh, Captain America, not all of us can, you know, work out uh, jobs, let us work out all the time. And I was like, that's bullshit, bro. <laughs> I was like, I know your hours. I was like, I know you can work out, you know. And I was like, the re that's what I said that pissed everybody off. I was like, the reason why he threw his back out is because he hasn't done pull-ups in a long-ass time. I was like, if you do it every day. I was like, and I was talking shit because I know Sergeant Majors, they could crush me, you know, on a PT test. And I'm just like... 
That's what I said. I was like, I know old sergeant majors that are shot the fuck up who could out-PT anybody out here. So it's like that's not an excuse that you're old and yeah. you don't have time. Yeah. I'm glad that I have the same COVID body that that Luke has <laughs> yeah, yeah. From, from not working out. <laughs> I, mean, I did push-ups yeah. and shake the house. But same yeah. Thing. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to work out or anything to, to look that way. <laughs> I will say that I was blessed genetically, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever's up there. <laughs> did, yeah. did, you, uh, did you learn anything in the academy? Like... Did you did you find? Um, I mean, obviously you learned something, right? Yeah, like yeah. you don't go spend that much time. Right. right. But were you surprised by any of the stuff that you more learned? More so, just learned the, what I learned most was just how to deal with people who have a different mindset than I do. Honestly, that was like the because a lot of the stuff there I knew already. It's just yeah, you got to learn like the tradoc way of doing things. But um, it wasn't too hard to learn the material. It was more so just learning how to interact with people in that environment. I guess. Yeah. I, like like. I guess I hurt a lot of people's feelings when I say that about the dude on the ground. So I got to be careful what I say, but it's just, that's how I feel about it, you know. Well, which is odd to me. That's exactly what I was just getting ready to say is because, you know, we all remember when we went through, and of course it's harder than what it is today, but I think there is some some truth to that, that it's much different. And we're de- dealing with a different society, and we talked about this on a couple episodes ago, that... You know, we're we're talking about um, a generation that's used to not really having to lose. There's not a winner or a loser. Everybody's a winner. Yeah, it's funny you say that. So uh, when I was in SLC, I think um, they were lowering the standards a lot in the Q course. It, at least from our eyes, that's what we saw it as. And um, everybody had to everybody. The Q course. They had us in a huge ass auditorium at Bank Hall. Sergeant Major of Swick came and talked to us. Commander of Swick came and talked to us. And it was kind of like they were just giving excuses for why they're lowering the standards. And they said that today's youth, this is in 2017, so it's even worse now apparently. But today's youth, uh, their bone density is 30% less dense than people before. Because they don't go outside and they don't get vitamin D or whatever you need for bone density. And, And they just don't do activities where they're putting weight on themselves and anything. I mean, yeah, we used to go out and ride bikes and all that kind right. of stuff. They, they don't do that. You know? Yeah. That's a fun, another story. I was called my nephew just to check on him. He's like 10 years old. And when I was 10, you wouldn't find my ass until like 10 o'clock at night. I was out riding my bike around somewhere in the woods, whatever. And I was like, what are you doing, man? And he was like, oh, I'm playing outside. And I was like, oh, cool, what are you doing? He's like, watching YouTube videos of my friend and on the curb. <laughs> I was like, that is not playing outside. That's doing the same shit you do inside outside. I said, why don't you go just grab a bike and build a ramp? I mean, I know we had a bike. I was like, get your bike, build a ramp, and yeah. jump that motherfucker. That's how I talked to him. And he was like, oh, no. He's like, I would, what if I hurt myself? And that hurt my heart so bad when I heard him say that. I was like, no, what are you talking about? And... um Maybe some people, you know, could use this with their kids. But the way I told him, like, to not be afraid of it, I was like, all right, what's the worst you've ever been hurt in your life? Think about the worst cut, scrape, anything you've ever had. And I was like, you got it? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, how is it now? Is it healed up? And he's like, yeah, it's gone. You know, good to go. I'm like, so don't be afraid to get hurt. You're going to be fine. I was like, just go out and have fun. But hopefully that resonated with them. <laughs> so going back, I mean, when you're – when you're looking at it now, you know, you're listening to what the SWIC commander is saying and you're talking about how the standards oh, yeah, have changed. Bad, yeah. No, no, and, and I'm curious about that and then how that related to what you learned within, you know, your drill instructor training and what they may have shared with you there as well about what you're going to be seeing and facing. <laughs> so apparently, just from hearing the instructors at the academy, they were talking about how easy people hurt themselves, like just literally... That whole PRT, the exercises they make everybody do at the before you do PT. The reason they do that is because kids have literally, some of them have never even picked something heavy up off the ground before, or bent down, just like throwing their backs out, getting down on the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they make you do the simplest <laughs> movements as possible, just so everybody gets on that baseline. So it's a, it's just such a. It's a big culture shock, but I understand it, I guess, kind of, if that's happening. Because I remember in basic, I'm sure you do, too. Like, some of the kids there, you're like, God, man, like, they're breaking their ankles on just the smallest shit, you know? It's like, what, what were you doing in the past? Yeah, yeah I had a bunk mate broke his ankle coming out of the bed. <laughs> so, and I was like, he didn't, we didn't break it. 
he had like a sprain or right, something. Right, right. And uh, he's like, this is the worst pain ever. I'm like, man, you just sprain my ankles once a week. Right. Skateboarding. Take my bike, Exactly. Like that. You know, yeah, guys mm-hmm. can't do a push-up, you know. So, I mean, that's... That's always and that's fine, that way, and though. you know what? That's fine because everybody's raised differently. You know what yeah. I'm saying? What if you had, it doesn't matter what, how you were raised, but if you join the military and you're expected to do this, you need to. I mean, they all knew they were going to the military, so do a couple push-ups before you get there. You know what I'm saying? And it's uh, you should be able to meet the standard, in my opinion. Did they talk much about this? But did they at the academy about the standards? Yeah, like lowering standards. Yeah, no, they're all about it over there. It seems like people are like, "Yes, let's lower the standards." I saw a girl, and I get it. It's not the instructor's fault. They have to make numbers, and it's coming from the top, you know. But I saw a girl climbing up on a PT stand. Okay, let me rephrase that. Couldn't climb up on a PT stand, and she became a drill sergeant. Was, How in the hell are you? Are you gonna? motivate a soldier when you can't even climb up on the PT stand and that that's like I don't like that mindset at all and they're okay with it you know it's just like well if if they tell her it's okay instead of being being mad at herself she's like all right yes you know I get away with it but that's I just that's a mindset that I just could not understand it was really big culture shock there so I have a question are all the like because it used to be if you're infantry you go to a Sandhill has yep. a drill, drill mm-hmm. sergeant. Mm-hmm. Is so, it still that way, or is, well, is I know, it I know all mine were infantry, and all the guys that came to Benning from my class mm-hmm. that I knew, they were all infantry also. Okay, they didn't bring any. Uh, so they don't make MOS is not not that thing. Okay, not that I know. Of. Hmm. I was wondering that too because when you talked about earlier about eighteen X-rays, eighty-eight mics, and mm-hmm. Levins, and all that. So there was like one eighty-eight mic in my company. Okay. It's probably a. And this, you know, yeah. paperwork mix up. <laughs> he showed up at the wrong yeah. four. He was awesome, though. He, he, he was all about it. And one slot. <laughs> Even the Intel kid, like, he, he tried, you know. I respect the hell out of that. He was like 110 pounds wet. <laughs> so did you know you were going to Benning before you went just because of your previous uh, path? Or could you have gone anywhere? Like before I joined the military? Oh, no. talking about the this now, yeah. I, just, I wanted to go to Benning. Oh, so I, you I probably could have requested some other locations, but I wanted to go back to Benning. I didn't know if you got a request or not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they told me I was going to Benning, and I figured that's where I would go. Yeah. I think all the SF dudes go to I'm sure all the SF and Ranger instructors go there because that's where you get the most bang for your buck out of the instructor. Yeah, I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I also could see kind of a needs of the Army. Well, we yeah, need a drill sergeant yeah. at Fort Jackson, you know. Yeah. Or Get the one that can't climb up on the PC. <laughs> <laughs> She'd love to go there. Yeah, they send you to relax in Jackson, spice some things up. You know? <laughs> so, you know, and I don't want to bat him out there, but there was some, there was a, a, a what unit was he with? I can't remember. There's some 82nd dudes that I love to death. There's one who was just hilarious. And he, he old as shit, but you can just tell he grew up in 82nd. He was yeah. so, but he was funny as fuck. He always said something hilarious. And uh, they were great dudes. They could perform well. You know, there were good dudes in that class. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I feel like I'm bad-mouthing the whole no, class. No, you didn't. I didn't take it It was way. just you get a mixture from so many different elements, and then that one mindset of the majority was just like, what the fuck? But we all, you know, all the infantry guys kind of hung out together, and, you know. And I tried motivating everybody best I could. It was part of the challenge, I think, that we've heard a lot from soft guys anyway when they get back to the conventional forces. That they've never had to lead an individ- or a group of individuals that weren't volunteers, that didn't you know, stay within the hard you know, performance every day. And if they didn't live up to a standard, they got pushed out and the whole type of thing. And instead, in the conventional army, you know, it's, it's much, much different. It's a different style of leadership you've got to have and the whole bit. And again, you've never been exposed to any of this. Mm-hmm. So... Seeing it for the first time when you're going through a school of non-commissioned officers, uh, obviously your assumption was by the time they reach E6, you know, E7, E5, whatever, they should be a certain way or whatever. So I'm sure it was a bit of a shock anyway. Um, just y- your first experience there. Yeah, it's just my belief is you got to have a – you should have an optimistic attitude about everything, mm-hmm. especially in the Army. It, it's, it helps you so much because you're going to – if not, you're going to hate life. So you just got to find the glass half full of everything you're doing, and you'll be happy. And I think where I probably learned that was in selection. I remember it was during team week. We were pushing um, 
it's like a three wheel Jeep or some shit like mm-hmm. that. And <laughs> and it's just going through this wet sand. It had been raining all week and it was raining on it started raining like as we're pushing it through a ditch and there was this National Guard guy there who was just hilarious and he was like, fuck you, rain god. He was like, bring that shit. You know? and just everybody started laughing, and then you just feel that Jeep just go, Woof, you know, start moving. And it's like, it helps out so much more than someone being able to like, man, this sucks, or oh, no, it's raining. It's like, that doesn't help anyone. Mm-hmm. So that pissed me off so much because you don't, you get that positive mindset a lot in SF, and if it's, you get that negative person, it's, they get you know, you're going to get told, like, hey, fix yourself. Yeah. So uh, that was just the biggest thing was just the mindset and being okay with being medi- mediocre. Mediocre, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. This wasn't cool. So when when you now get into Fort Benning and you get around, let's say, at least like-minded people, individuals who are, yeah. you know, kind of motivated, they, they realize now, hey, we've got a job to do. Did it form, did you find yourself kind of getting back into a team mode of, you know, with your, because I mean, you guys, let's face it, you know, you guys work some long hours and you end up putting a lot of time in over a uh, or at least a lot of time in over a period of time. And then in some cases you may not get the break that you properly need and you go right back into a next class. And so it can take quite a, a toll. And, you know, and I think it takes a certain mindset of individuals for sure that to go into drill sergeant and become, or a DI and become a drill sergeant and stuff and, and really want to motivate young people. Right. into being soldiers like i just got there so i haven't even really been oh, you haven't had your first cycle I, yet i haven't started a cycle yet but from just what the drill instructors were saying um if you don't, you want to fix those horrible hours you got to be cohesive is it yeah. that if you're with a group of guys that everyone's working together and helping the other person that it's not nearly as bad as everybody makes it out to be you know you got red phase or whatever where you're waking up from zero four to nine twenty one hundred you know you have to be there but outside those three weeks if you work together from what i hear you know and that's kind of with any anything you do any unit many hands make like work you know um so hopefully i just get a good cohesive team and being an e7 if they're not i'm gonna make them one yeah so when is your first cycle um i don't know hopefully soon within like a month hopefully okay so anybody listening to this is going off the fort Benning, georgia <laughs> is 11 series yes. in, a, in a month or so you might run into this nco but message to those guys because i've already had this issue so social media is a big deal for like drill sergeants because a lot of them make poor decisions with their trainees so um don't I'm, if you're gonna go through my class or anything like that do not uh do not like contact me and try to be my buddy or anything because it's not going to be that whenever you meet me you know i'm going to be your mentor and then buddies later on down the road oh yeah you got to earn it right but just i feel bad because i'm ignoring all these messages with guys that are asking me questions and it's it's like i can't even do that anymore yeah just and there's not much i can tell guys anyways if you're going to basic it's like, a lot of dudes would hit me up asking me, like, what do I need to pass selection? And I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing now? And they're like, well, I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm like, well, bro, it's like you got yeah. some time, you know, just get through school, do well in school, and, you know, do push-ups, go run. Obviously, you got to ruck. But there's not much advice I can really give you. You have to get – you have to have a certain mindset that you can't really train. You can kind of, like – you can kind of foster that. Yeah, like you can build, like get people, build that mindset to like I want to be better, you know, yeah. better myself. But I feel like to be a Green Beret, you kind of have, they're looking for a certain type of person, at least baseline. Yeah, and you have to kind of already have that. I feel like, or at least want to have that. I guess. No, when, I think it's a good point. Go ahead. I was when when say. you were in selection, I mean, you probably saw people that came very prepared, were very athletic, oh, yeah. and then they, they failed. Yeah. And you probably saw some people that oh, man. I saw were not beast. prepared at all, and right, right. they passed. I saw some beast-ass dudes where I was like, I thought I was in shape, and I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ, man. Like, <laughs> and uh, just little stuff, like um, the swim test got a lot of people, almost got my ass. Um, land nav, obviously, yeah. but just little shit, like leaving a rifle somewhere. And like a rubber duck up against the tree on the land nav course. That I did that. So my, my last point on the star course, I already, I'd passed the point that just so happened to be my last point on the way to my fourth point. 
and I saw the smoke coming up through the trees like 200 meters off on my way to my fourth point mapped my next point and I was like oh bet and I was like it's the same fucking point down there so I just started running uh. running 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 and I get halfway down there and I'm like man something is wrong no rubber ducks so I freaked the hell out you had to go all running, the way back running all the way back <laughs> like doing clover leaves looking for my gun and finally found it but uh, I don't tell many people that story but. <laughs> well you just did <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, hey, it's it out there now yeah. okay yeah, I made it. Uh, but just dudes losing like their maps and stuff like that and then they get kicked out and it's just like man that was a good dude and I I can't remember his name and I don't have any uh, qualms throwing him under the bus but this kid made it through selection couldn't even do the seven pull-ups that you have to do you know he couldn't do three pull-ups and I don't know how he passed it's like how does that make it through and that was in 2011 2010 so um it's like he made it like two more phases before you got kicked out. You know, it's like I don't like that. You got to be able to keep the standards. And yeah. they're, if they're lowering that, I can't even imagine what's you know. Well, and, the and cracks now. It, it all started way back when when this same thing we've had. We talked about this on this episode where um, it wasn't necessarily. Well, I guess you could call it lowering the standards. They needed to get a certain number to go through and. Um, they did that. They ramped up and everything. And I think it was actually in the very beginning of the GWAD days. And then 18 X-Ray came on board. And so there was a, there was people that were feeling the same way mm-hmm. about allowing yeah, people. Of yeah, it's always yeah. going to be that way. You're always going to hear the older dudes be like, oh, it's yeah. easier now. Yeah. You talk I think to about that all the time. Yeah. yeah, I think about it all the time. My class was obviously way easier than some of the older heads. So, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it is, I, I laugh at myself sometimes with mine because I got to realize yeah. I might be narrow-minded in this uh, viewpoint. But, um, but I get it. Like, you have to have your numbers. That makes sense. I, mean, mm-hmm. I understand that. But you, can, you can't mass-produce SF soldiers, like a, a saying that we always say. But mm-hmm. they're trying to, and it just rubs dudes the wrong way. Yeah, no, no, I, you know, I, no, I agree. I mean, Just uh, like the x-ray thing. Is yeah. Like, because trust me, when I got to my unit as an X-ray, it's much uh, better now than what it was in the very beginning. I'll say that, you know, yeah. Man, my uh, he was my fox at the time, but he came from regiment. He was the E7 till he came over from like all the way up in regiment till he came over. So, and he had tried the long walk a couple times, a little bitter. I'm not gonna put his name out there, but it, <laughs> really like squared away. Dude's been like three helicopter crashes, done all types of crazy shit. Awesome soldier, you know, but just really abrasive <laughs> and I remember it was like my first day in the team room and for some reason it was just me and him in there and I was petrified and honestly I was just like on my computer pretending to read emails and he was like turned his chair around and he's like look for the first year he's like being ex- I can't remember exactly how I worded it but he said basically you're an x-ray and I don't want to hear a fucking word out of your mouth you sit in the corner you listen you learn he's like don't be like this other person who was on my team who was also an x-ray who was very opinionated <laughs> and he was like just shut the fuck up and listen and learn and he was like we don't care about your, your uh, q core stories we don't give a fuck we all were there he's mm-hmm. like just learn and he's right you know that's what you need to do as a new guy and just, yeah you may after you get a couple like a year under under your belt and then maybe you know you can voice your opinion a little bit yeah but, well, I mean, it's definitely changed, and by infusing the uh, X-rays, I think it still is. It's one of the best things that they could have done in order to not only just keep up with the numbers and stuff, but I think they've actually created a program now that's a pipeline um, for individuals that they're trying to select the right groups and move them on into you know the the groups and stuff and on teams. But I think you know we we talk about this is they keep progressing and they keep changing and it looks like they're lowering the target level that you could allow individuals to get in that maybe shouldn't be there but if you talk to anybody that's gone through the queue or anything else they'll always tell you oh i remember there was at least one or two that probably shouldn't never made it yeah, either yeah yeah it's always been it, the case it's always, been, always the case, been the case yeah, yeah. So I and I think that's where you know when we start having discussions around should women be in um, you know SF or should women go to Ranger School or should women be in regiment and all of those types of things, we got to bear in mind that there should be a standard and stuff, and we're not talking about you lower the standards to allow females to come in, and and I don't think many females want that to occur. My opinion on it is 
I'm all for it. If you can meet the standards, by all means. And, and I think that's what most people would it's, say. It's you know, going to be a, it's going to be a big change for like if it was like SF to have a female on the ODA. It's just it was. I see it causing more problems at home for the guy, for guys like on deployments and stuff like that. Just oh, that's, like a, it, that's a truth. Yeah, I, I can like, see that. And then also in Afghanistan. Like you're the captain's always dealing with your counterpart, and unfortunately, over there, you know they don't respect women, so he's not going to talk to you. Because it most likely would be a female officer at mm-hmm. first to come through, and he's not going to deal with you most likely. And that's just something we're going to have to work through, obviously. But I'm all for it if you can do it. Yeah. Do it. There's a transgender at seventh group, and make sure I say it. She. Like, I didn't even know it was, you know, her, but uh, we were all doing this workout one morning. Beast. I was like, damn, this girl is fucking killing it. But <laughs> she actually used to be a team leader on the ODA, you know. And uh, look, she's in there doing look more than some of the dudes that were in there. So, yeah, uh, more power to her. Yeah. I think, you know, and, and if you talk to most of the guys that are in SF or the unit, at least the ones I've ran into, that's the same sentiment they have. It's sort of like, you know, hey, listen, you know, I don't care. You, you hear these stories about people saying, well, you know, there's no way in hell they're going to be able to carry my body out or, you know, they're going to be able to get, well, listen, there's half the damn dudes that weigh 150, 120, yeah, 120 pounds and they can't carry you out either. So, but you're putting your life in and, you know, you're putting your life with them and stuff in the foxhole. You have Mm -hmm. no concern about it. I think your point's well taken though, about on the other side of it is it's just the, you know, when you get away from the combat, you get away from that environment and you come back home if you're married, how how are your spouses? It's gonna it, there's gonna be a change that's gonna have to occur. It's gonna take a period of time before all this works itself out. We're just in the very early stages of this whole thing, you know. So we're just gonna see how it kind of plays. Um, but I found I found it was kind of interesting that the army and I know we're getting really off um, topic here, but how the army recently changed the um, they were evaluating that one workout, you know, the uh, what do they call that? Um, they, the new ACP? fitness test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know. Now they, now they're deciding. I guess that oh, we're going to tweak this and make it a little bit more gender specific. And but I thought that when they first came out with that, I thought that's really good because these should be the basics of being able to you know climb a wall or take somebody and put them on your back or you know do the things that are the, the test was more designed to be about what you would most likely face in a stressful combat situation yeah. and physical side. Yeah, I love I love the new test. I think it's great. Really? Yeah. What uh, what do you like about it? Just because it's more functional or Yeah, exactly. It's just it's more practical. Right. I think <laughs> that sled drag, man, that humbled me, you know. And uh it's just deadlifts, all those are things that are more steered to like dragging my ass when I'm shot and get me behind cover, you know, <laughs> yeah. over running two miles. Yeah. And I definitely should run more than I do. <laughs> um, but I just never, you've never ran two miles in combat. You know, I've had to sprint with a lot of weight on me mm-hmm. you know, and carry heavy shit. And obviously you need cardio, you need the cardiovascular ability to do that so running long distances help but when you're getting assessed for if you're a fit soldier i think it should be you know stuff that functional but it's not you know so we we joke about this especially you know kind of the guys has been around for a period of time and not that i'm saying an old time or anything but when we (laughs) so the 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 way in which you uh, determine whether a soldier was good or at least many commanders and senior ncos did was how well they ran. Right. And it was about not just the two mile. It was like we go out on a five mile run and some of these stupid battalion runs or whatever yo yo effect anyway. You know, right, I mean, right. you know, this is a joke. You're not, yeah, you're not even really yeah. running. Yeah. You know, you're walking half the time and then you're social gathering. <laughs> social <laughs> gathering, yeah. And then you'll sprint for 50 yards under your yeah. and you're back to walking yeah. again. You're like, son of a gun, you know, and you do this for five miles, you know, seven miles. And yeah, but if somebody did that or, you know, they were the guy calling the cadence or what, all of a sudden, man, we need to promote this guy. They do great in, you know, the runs and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's a, they're a leader. Well, yeah, I, th- yeah, I think that where that comes from is um, not necessarily that the dude getting promoted on the guy's ability or girl's ability to perform the PT test. It's the 
mindset than most people who maintain themselves over the years, you know, who can constantly get that 300 or whatever, 600 yeah. or whatever, you know, a good score. That means that you're at home doing it in your own time. And it's that mindset that they're looking. Generally, I'd say yeah. that that mindset yeah. is a more successful mindset and as a leader. So mm-hmm. that's what you want. You don't want the guy that's like, uh, like, I shouldn't go run today. You know? <laughs> like, I'll go do calf raises. I had a team something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not they're not using that uh, as now as part of what you guys were taught in uh, in drill starting school, right? I mean, were you guys taught that program for the physical aspect? Yes, yeah. You were okay. The uh, new one, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, is that's it, what we took. Is, that's what we were graded on everything. Okay, because I had thought that was more. I loved it. It was great. Really, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. We're yeah, try that one. It just seemed like, uh, well, now, yeah, you're. I've never done. You're, well, not only that, but you're like well refurbished. Yeah, yeah. Those, those push-ups are weird, man. I'm telling you, it's really weird picking your hands up and going out like that. You think? I thought I was good at push-ups. Yeah. For all the future uh, soldiers out there, practice those because yeah. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. yeah. Is there like? Uh, well, we'll get in that later. The, but old, so, the old push-up test. I mean, that's. That's easy, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's like once once I you mean, figure it out. People, some people had trouble with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the people bounce and everything like that. Yeah. There's no bouncing on those. Well, not only that, but once somebody figured out the right where they wanted to hold yeah. their arms, yeah. and you probably we all saw it where some people were a little bit more wider because they liked it, where they yeah. don't have to go down as far yeah. as either. Yeah. But they it, it's harder. But if that's what you worked on, you know, or versus closer and and those types of things. Whereas what you're talking about is going to be inside guy. <laughs> <laughs> Got the diamond and everything in there. Mm-hmm. And Not that good, no. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're coming full circle. So we talked in the very beginning about, you know, when you came into the Army that you had a drill sergeant that actually took you under his wing or at least gave you some coaching, seemed to take a liking to you and, and found you to be somebody that he wanted to, to give some mentoring to. You're going to be now in that same role. And so, you know, you made a comment about that. It is kind of a if you're if you think of it as how rewarded it, rewarding it was for you to have somebody be that impressionable, and now you have that opportunity now to do that you know with new soldiers that are coming in. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of been my motivation for the whole thing. Is yeah. Just, if I can just get be that if I can be drill sergeant glass for one kid, then as as much influence he had on my life and how. Like, I'm so thankful for my career. It's like, there's so, so many times throughout my career where I've been, I've been like, I cannot believe this is my fucking job. Like, it is amazing. So if I can just influence someone like that, just one, it'd be worth it. Yeah. In my eyes. And, so, and that sounds corny as shit, I know. No, no, it doesn't because, but, I mean, we come all in from different walks of life and for different reasons. But somehow you've got to find a way to find that motivation within that individual uh, to pull that out of them and make them see that in themselves later on. Right. Or then and later on, I should say. Um, I had a lot of conversations with the drill instructors at the academy, and they were talking about how you'll get kids who are people who are homeless before, you know, been on the streets since they were like 14 years old, shit like that. And their stories are crazy. So it's like you can be so much influence to someone who grew up like that. And uh, and also have fun playing mind games with them while you're at it. You know? Yeah, can do push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a buddy of mine, you know Don Fox, you know him, and um, he served with me and stuff. And he's occasionally a co-host. Was a commander at um, at Fort Benning, and in you know had a drill sergeant unit or a drill unit stuff, basic training unit. And um, and he talked about it was strange seeing individuals that would be coming in the door at 34 years old, mm-hmm. 35 years old. And to your point, you may see kids who come in, you know, or young people who come in from different walks of life. But you're also going to find those individuals that are mid-career that just all of a sudden decided this is what they wanted to do. Yeah, and if you are older and are thinking about that, don't be discouraged at all. Because um, there, So in seventh group, there was a guy in my company who he didn't even get I don't think he joined the Army until he was like 36 or something like that. Crazy, but he became mm-hmm. a Green Beret, you know. And he wasn't the fastest or the strongest, but his personality and what he could bring as far as life experiences was really uh, good. But also, when I was in the Q course, there was a, a colonel going through. And, man, I wish I could remember his name right now. But he was 54 years old, 
and he Go had, to the queue. Yeah, he had a, a crazy ass story. God, I wish I could get, remember his name. Doc Rodden, I think is his name. Yep. Uh, so the legend. I might be, you know, mis- saying some facts, but uh, apparently he grew up in like Ranger Regiment. Did his four years, got out. Um, did some stuff with the CIA for a little while, and then stopped doing that, and then. Became a doctor, <laughs> and, uh, and then an became uh, wow. yeah, and then became a, a surgeon for Seventh Group, and oh man, I got a great story. So uh, he went through the Q course with me. He did Sage with me. He carried the fucking 120 pound ruck, the eight hours. You know, did all that. 54 years old, and he'd be dipping and smoking at the same time. <laughs> it was like this dude was insane, but. Uh, and he'd always sit down whenever he'd tell a story, like, all the time whenever we'd stop. And he'd, like, sit down and, like, light a cigarette, like, just like an old man. <laughs> but uh, he did. I just remember thinking, like, he's the same age as my fucking dad and, like, how broken down my dad is from the way he yeah. did his life. And this guy's out here just doing this shit and, you know, positive mindset and everything. So he told a story. I hope I can talk about this. So he told a story about... um a Marine when they were in, he was working with seventh group was, uh, <laughs> in Afghanistan. And I guess a Marine was Skyping with his wife and they were getting a little experimental and he <laughs> put his wedding ring and got stuck on himself. Right. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know how it happens, but <laughs> his wedding ring got stuck on. So he had to get it cut off because it's tungsten in <laughs> the dock. Rod Nathy was the one that had to cut it off. So they had like people over there like pouring water on him while he's like cutting it. Anyways, this poor guy had to get like sent home, I think, because he was like suicidal or something because he was getting made fun of so bad, you know. I'm trying not situation. to imagine this story here as you're telling it. <laughs> so I'm bringing it full circle. Hold on. So I get to my I get to my team, my ODA. And my, we're doing like a, some JRTC shit, and my Bravo's telling this story about in Afghanistan and Doc Rodnott, they pouring, cutting this ring off this Marine. Oh. And it was just, you know, it was just a small world, you know. And I was like, y'all know that motherfucker. I was like, I went through the Q course with him. It was bullshit. You know? But what a great guy, man. Like, um, what an awesome life. Like, he's, he's just one of those dudes that, like, yeah. setting the next goal, achieve it. Um, you know, you just look at his background. It's ridiculous. I, I get contacted so cool. all the time, you know, through the account and people who are, you know, even 26, 28 years old and saying, is it too late? Is it too late? Yeah, Do you feel it's no, too late? No. Yeah. I tell them no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got 18-year-olds out here that are breaking. Right. Know, standing yep. up. So. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter where you go. I just, I think it's more mindset over anything. Um. What is that? Uh, so I hope I can pronounce his name right, but Roy Benavides. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's my favorite Green Beret. Like, I love listening to I've listened to his Medal of Honor speech like 50, time, 50 times, and it's, it's so amazing. Like, if you hear his story and his mindset, and he talks about that uh, one instructor he had in the Q course or whatever he called the pipeline who told him that a positive mindset set will carry you further than ability every time. And that's true. I mean, like you said, you see these 110-pound kids who are beasting on these rucks and stuff like that. You just have to have a certain mindset to persevere through that stuff, I guess. Mm -hmm. So age shouldn't play too big of a difference. I mean, obviously, as you get older, I'm already breaking down, but obviously, as you get older, you're going to be... More prone to injuries, but yeah, I'm glad I'm sitting here looking I more buff than you. I'm, breaking, yeah. I'm not breaking down yet, Luke. That's so. all internal on the joints. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I like to tell people like don't deselect yourself. Right, exactly. Yeah, like that's the first the first step in any selection process or anything you're gonna try out for is are you getting stand you can't, on the line? You can't have that. Thing? You can't have that quit anywhere floating up there. It's like that wasn't even a yeah. fucking option when I was going through the course. I never even thought about that. Honestly, it was just like. I hope I meet the standards. I never thought about quitting, quitting. ever, yeah, um, or surpass the standards. I just, um, yeah, yeah, just can't have that negative mindset. So, if you, uh, what is it? Is that the one thing? Because I was going to ask you, and we almost maybe just covered it. Is if you had one thing to tell the individuals that are getting ready to go in, who may run into you now as a drill sergeant, what would it be? Is that it, or is there something else as well that you would also? I mean, kind of like what he said, don't deselect yourself. Like, don't tell yourself, I can't do this, or just because someone else is over there doing it, 
better than you. And you should be like, well, well it's something I always tell myself. If, that, if another human being can do it, I can fucking do it. So it's like, if that person can do it, I can do it. It's just kind of how my mindset has always been. So and it worked out for me. So maybe that'll help you if you kind of can look at it that way and don't get discouraged. Um, I see a lot, uh, you know, just in all walks of life, but in the military, I've seen a lot, like, guys really, um, it might be a little off topic, too, but guys just, like, hating on other guys who are doing really well in their career or yeah, something like happens that. happens a lot. And because either, I don't know, they got dealt a bad hand, and it happens a lot in the military, you know, or something, you know, and it's just... And tying it back to trainees, like don't hate, don't don't, or just anyone, don't hate on someone for doing well. You should like be happy for them, and that should drive you to want to do the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just that's a good mindset to have, I think. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree, and I think it's one of the things like you know, kids who are coming in, I say kids, you know, but people who yeah, are coming yeah. in today, I know <laughs> so you catch true. yourself, you know, but. People who are coming in today, you know, they're, they came in for a reason. And most of them today, as we were talking about just a few episodes, are coming in during a time frame that they know that there's a war that's going on and they're joining for that reason. Mm-hmm. And so they're really hopefully coming in, at least I'd like to think, with the mindset of I want to ch- achieve something. I'm coming in for something better. Where back in the day, it was more about I'm just coming in for the college money. Right. Exactly. That's all I'm here for. And, you know. I had a, we actually listened to a podcast yesterday and also a guy that was going through the Q course with me, but both guys, they uh, joined 2011, like as soon as September 11th happened, mm-hmm. or 2001, my bad, but as soon as September 11th happened, they were like dropping out of college and joining the military because they yeah. were like, that patriotism and just, I want to go defend my country. And the guy on the podcast was talking about how everybody that he went to basic with, even the fucking basic or the drill sergeants they're all going to war they all know they're going to war mm-hmm. and they all know they're going to war together so it had like this it built like an extra cohesion because you knew that hey that motherfucker's gonna be watching my back soon and he's gonna be watching you know and i'm gonna be watching his back so he said it was like a, a and that's kind of like what we have now i guess it's i don't think it's probably as strong just because yeah that was like right after a, a huge event but um yeah, just the the people who are volunteering, knowing that there's a chance they could go to combat, is the kind of people you want. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just the, when you were describing that, it reminded me of the movie Stripes. You know, the, I don't know why, but the whole remember the whole group where they end up going on a war and everything. Yeah. Right? What didn't they? Um, thought so. I, th- I think that's something that people they like to trash on millennials, yeah. and they like to trash on you know. And I think well, we've been in war for twenty years, and nobody had to draft us. <laughs> People, mm-hmm. people that don't really recognize that. I mean, twenty years every year, the ranks are full. People are volunteering over and over again, and say what you will. But yeah, it's I, huge, and it's not the same because I can I can tell you that back in the day there was a lot more commercials about the military and everything else because they were really trying yeah. to push it, and in primarily because during Vietnam they did have the draft in order to get the numbers up and they could bring it in. So, you know, after that they needed to kind of maintain some certain status, but. Yeah, you know, draftees will tell you, or people that were lived during that time period, most of the people didn't want to be there. You know, if you got drafted or whatever, most of them didn't want to go, and they didn't right. want to be there. <laughs> Just so, counting down the days to go home. And, and I, when I hear people today say stuff like, why don't we institute the draft again? Why don't we just bring in the draft? Well, everybody should serve for two years or something of that nature like some other countries do. No, because then you get individuals who really do not want to be there or don't belong there. Or don't belong there. Yeah. Because, you know, during Vietnam and everything, they'd, you know, either you go to jail or you go to the military, you know, too. So I had a, a buddy of mine, he actually said this one day, because we were talking about, like, how like you should, people should own guns and have their concealed carry and stuff like that. And his argument was actually pretty, you know, it broadened my mindset on it a little bit. He's like, I don't want everyone to have a gun. He's like, because say... There's an active shooter in a military or in a theater, and then you got someone who actually knows what they're doing is up trying to shoot this guy, and you have an individual over here that doesn't know what the hell they're doing and is just freaking out, and they just stand up and they see a guy with a gun. It could be the dude that's you know they wouldn't be you know yeah. saying it's like yeah. not everybody 
should be out there, you know, carrying a, a weapon. You need the train and all that stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah. And it was a good kind of like what you're saying, just not everybody should Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, mandatory service comes with mm-hmm. it's, with some it's complications. Not for, not for everyone. Well I mean you remember basic training, you know, you're talking about you look around at some of the guys like how did how did you even make it on the bus ride down here? You know, what what are you thinking being in the military? And then some of those but guys get out. Some of those guys great stuff, you know? acclimatize <laughs> yeah. and adjust. And it's like, you know, not all those people belong there. And those are volunteers. So I think yeah. there's something. I'm curious. So what happens after you are done being a drill sergeant? You go I'll back, go back to, the group? to group. Yep. And okay. Hopefully this will this this will be my broadening assignment, and hopefully okay. they can get me promoted to E8. Nice. Um, so I I got looked I was supposed to get looked at last year. I didn't do my board file or anything like that. I don't want to be an E8. One, I can look at myself and be like, okay, I'm not one. I'm probably not mature enough to be an E8 right now. I still don't know enough. I feel like I should learn more before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've never led soldiers before, so this would be a great. I mean, this isn't obviously it's trade doc, but it just will give me a little bit better idea of like having people under me mm-hmm. and having to manage all that. So uh, that's kind of. Another reason why I chose it, but uh, yeah, once you become an E8, you got two, maybe three years on a team, and then you're going behind the desk. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been trying to dodge that a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's one thing the X-rays have to deal with because you have such a long career. So you're gonna be sitting behind a desk soon if you don't <laughs> if you don't play your cards right. Yeah, never really thought about it that way. I mean, you know, like again, under the older model, you had to be at least an E4 with two years in. So yeah, your time is pretty limited as to maybe doing some of the stuff that you would enjoy doing before you have to do that. And officers obviously are very, you know, yeah. different as well. Yeah. 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 Much quicker. But people shit on officers a lot. I've had some really good officers, even though their time stints is like real short. They've had some really good officers. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. I think, you know, I, I think you're going to do well uh, going forward because your mindset is more of, you know, you're wanting to help individuals grow. If they have the desire, you're there to help them do that. I hope so. I can, hopefully I can be that for them. Yeah, and, and uh, I look forward to watching you through that journey. Again, you talked about how you're not going to be able to put yourself out there quite as much and stuff, but it'll be really so interesting. If you want to have me back on or something, maybe six months down the road. I was going to say, yeah. I, mean, I can I'd like give to you know. some experience, you know. I'd, I'd probably like have some funny stories, too. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'd, <laughs> funny stories. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think it'd be really uh, fun just to do that. Just like you said, just to see in that time period, what is it that you really learned? You you went into this whole thing in a certain mindset and, and did that carry through. And, and not only that, but like you said, you're having a chance to really lead other uh, individuals. Now, you being the drill instructor means that they're going to probably listen to you, hopefully, more than the average individual. But um, it, it really will give you an exposure of that as well as the drill sergeant, as well as the tray doc, the good and the bad uh, that comes with that. Yeah. So there's a lot there really to kind of uncover to, to figure out how your journey has been so far. But uh, you're not that far away. You're only an hour or so away yeah. from here. Yeah, so it's, it's a the, great place. Too. It's yeah. Come so visit it, here anytime. No doubt. Got the dogs out in the car. I'm about to get a little oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to take them to the park. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> See the town a little bit. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. I really do appreciate yeah, you coming up, Luke. We'll have you back on here for sure. Yep.